Welcome to the Heal Ministry Podcast, where we believe that God heals us in the way that brings Him the most glory and draws us closest to Him. Whether you've received healing, you're in the fight of your life, or you gave up on God a long time ago, you are welcome here. As you come to the table, listen with an open mind, knowing everyone's journey is unique and God's goodness truly can be found amidst our physical suffering. Hey y'all, welcome to the Heal Ministry Podcast. I had to throw in a little bit of my Texas roots there because our guest today is also from Texas, but I am glad that you are here. My name is Tara bradham Denai. Whether it's your first time here or your 100 and whatever this episode is time here, I am grateful and I believe that God has a word for you today. Before we get going, I want to invite you to check out the Bible study I have poured my heart and soul into called Through the Fog. It's a Bible study for people in physical suffering, but it covers all kinds of pain. We filmed the teachings recently outside, and I cannot wait for you guys to see them. The format of the Bible study is it is a six-week study with seven video teachings that are about 15 to 20 minutes each, and you get access to those just by buying the Bible study book, so it's nothing extra. And then there are five days of study each week that are about 15 to 20 minutes each. There are even stopwatches we put if you're someone who has a lot of limited mental or physical capacity, where you can just go at a slower pace and do what you need to do to get through it and to let God speak. There's a lot that I think it brings up. And so it's sometimes good to take a little bit more time, but whatever pace you want to go in, please check it out. And I believe that God could really use it in your life. Our guest today also has a book that I think that God might use in your life. She actually started her writing as a fiction author, but the first book that you can get your hands on comes out today, October 2nd, the day that this is being published, and it's called Not Forgotten, Unraveling Questions of Faith and Fertility. So Laura Brandenburg is a wife, and she's a mom to three miracle girls. After almost a decade of infertility, she shares what that journey looked like for her today. And she really talks about what it looks like in the healing process from praying together with her husband for healing, her body actually being healed by God, but then it still wasn't exactly what she thought. Seems very similar to my story in many ways, if you've read that. And she talks about what does it mean to have faith? Is that a mustering up of faith or is that a receiving healing from God and waiting on his timing, grappling with his mystery and complexity? What on earth does all of that look like? Laura shares a little bit of her journey with us here today. So please welcome our new friend of the podcast, Laura Brandenburg. Laura, thank you so much for being here today. We're grateful to have you on the show because just my little glimpse of your story left me really, really encouraged. And so I know getting to talk to you is going to be even more encouraging. So welcome to the Heal Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Real brief, what would you want people to know about you? A little bit about Laura Brandenburg, which I said you've actually somewhat connected, but we've actually had Lauren Brandenburg, who... You're both authors on this podcast before. So what would you want people to know about you, Laura? So I'm a stay-at-home mom. I have three girls. I have a three-year-old and then I have twin girls who are, they're 20 months. So my three-year-old's about to be four oh. and my twins are about to be two. But wow. I am busy. I used to be a full professor and I taught 
in higher education for 12 years. And, mm. you know, while we were on this journey of, of trying to get pregnant too, but when I had my girls, that's really all I wanted to do. And so God worked it out for us to be, to go to one income. That was kind of a scary thing. Now it's been almost two years, I guess, since we've done that. But at the time it was really scary. And so since then I have just been home with them and they are my full-time job. Yep. They are a lot of work, but they're also a lot of fun. So yeah, it's the best job. For me, being a mom, when we're recording this, my baby's almost 11 months, but I'm just thinking about young moms because I am one, or moms of young children, mm-hmm. because I am one. So what encouragement would you give us who you're a little bit ahead in the journey? Oh, I would say stay the course. Ask the Holy Spirit for help a whole lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do that. I have to do that all day long. It's never too late to start your day over. Oh, that's good. So if something isn't going well, you just stop and repent if you need to and ask God to help you. You start the day over right there. Mm -hmm. I like that. I've done that before, but maybe not since being a mom. Good reminder. Okay, Laura, so your story is a lot connected to being a mom. So take us through a little bit. I know we'll dive into specifics after this, but what is a little bit of the journey that you had with infertility? So we spent nine years trying to get pregnant. I had a few medical diagnoses. They said that I had a bicornuate uterus, which is like a misshaped uterus, Hmm. PCOS, endometriosis. So I was always kind of told that getting pregnant would be difficult, but not impossible, you know, with some help. And so we did all the fertility treatments. I mean, I, I talked to a lot of women going through infertility and I'm like, yeah, I've done that. Yeah. I've taken those pills. Yeah. We did that kind of cycle. We did that kind of thing. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like we did a lot of different things. We did ultimately do IVF. We actually did IVF twice between those two years, those two, um, attempts. We actually just spent a lot of time not doing anything. I felt like the Lord healed my body sort of in the middle of our journey. Hmm. We just started to pray for healing in my body and for all of these issues to to be healed. And my husband would pray over me every night. And, you know, we started seeing evidence of that healing. Hmm. Like I was having regular cycles and I never had before. I never would have a positive ovulation test. Like if you do home tests or if I did like the test through the clinics, it was like, there was never an indication that I had ovulated. That was part of why we did IVF the first time. And so all of a sudden I'm having positive home Hmm. ovulation tests and I'm regular. And so we just felt like, okay, then we're just going to get pregnant on our own. Like God's healed me and it's going to happen in his time. We really felt like we had heard from the Lord that I would be pregnant. What prompted you to just start praying for healing, like specifically with you and your husband? Just people go through, a lot of people listening are listening with some kind of physical Mm -hmm. issue going on. And they're like, you know, I've prayed before and now I don't really, or maybe I've never have prayed for healing. So I was just curious. And that could be something really simple. I don't know. But what prompted you guys like, okay, after, it sounds like after years, You're like, we're going to pray really Mm -hmm. specifically about this. Yeah. What prompted that? Yes. We had 
prayed to be pregnant. I mean, it's not like we had never asked the Lord. We had prayed about it and hoped for it. Right. And I will say like early on, we really felt like we heard the Lord that we that I would be able to get pregnant. And so mm-hmm. it was many years of not seeing that come to pass. And there was a very distinct moment in 2015. I'm trying to remember the timeline of things, but we were about four years in around the four to five year mark that I just started looking at all the scripture of barren women and studying their stories and standing on scripture that God had said that we were healed. And Mm. I feel like the Lord, because the Lord had given me a word, I think he also taught me a lot about faith. And I do talk about this a little bit in the book too, that faith is something that we receive But I think I spent those early years like trying to muster up belief, if that makes sense, like Hmm. exhausting myself in this cycle of like, I believe you're going to do this. I believe, you know, and, and I think that, I don't know, once the Lord just showed me like, this is, it's not on you. Hmm. I think that we have faith, but our faith isn't what heals us. Yeah. I don't know if that's controversial to say, but only Jesus can do that, right? Like only Jesus can bring that healing. And so I think when I had this new perspective of faith, that it's something that I receive and it's not on me to like muster it up. It just changed the way that I prayed. It changed the control, you know, because it wasn't on me to make this happen anymore. It was just, Mm -hmm. I'm going to just let God do what only God can do. And I think I just let go of how it had to look Mm -hmm. because there's a tension. And I think your listeners get this too. anybody who has any kind of chronic pain or chronic diagnoses. It's like you have God's word that says you're healed. Mm -hmm. And then you have your current situation of not being healed, you know? And so there's this tension between this is what God's word says. And I believe it. And this is what I'm experiencing And I think I just learned to trust God in the tension of that instead of being mad about it or trying to manipulate it to like, okay, if I do these faith things, then it's going to happen. You know, like it's no, it's not about that. Mm -hmm. It's it's about what God's going to do in the timing that he wants to do. And I love you. You have said this before, like that God heals in the way that brings him the most glory. And so Mm -hmm. even like to jump back to our story that we, I thought, okay, it's going to bring God the most glory. Now we don't have mm-hmm. to do fertility. You know, my body is Not healed. the way that we think brings him the most glory, right? That's yes, what you're saying. But <laughs> now it's going to be this awesome testimony of, look, we spent all these years, we did all this fertility, and now we just got pregnant, like on our own. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, Seems like a great story. Yeah. Right. And then that, that wasn't the story. We, we really felt like we spent years not doing anything. And then the end of 2018, we felt like the Lord said 2019 is a year of promises fulfilled. Mm. And so we were super excited because we, we just knew God had told us we're going to have a baby, but we were also, we'd never had like such a time word like it's coming next year and so Mm -hmm. we're like well are we just going to get pregnant do we need to do fertility should we do we need to adopt Mm -hmm. are we supposed to be adopting and we had we had tried adoption 
kind of in the middle too. We had some private adoptions that fell through. And so, mm. so we were just kind of open hands, like, okay, a baby's coming. What are we supposed to do? And we, we bought a crib at the end of 2018. That was sort of like our faith. Wow. We're going to spend, you know, $300, that. buy a crib, <laughs> put it in the baby room and just pray. And we really felt like we were supposed to go back to our fertility doctor and mm-hmm. just ask her, what do you think we should do? And honestly, we thought that she would say, you've kind of exhausted your, I mean, you've, you've done all the things, you know, like you gave it your best effort, mm-hmm. but she actually did an exam on me that day, which I wasn't expecting. And she could see even just evidence of my body changing, like that it was different. Wow. And she'd been my doctor this whole time, you know? And so she said, I think that we should try IVF one more time. And, you know, when IVF didn't work for us the first time, it was devastating for me just because Mm -hmm. that we had done fertility treatments, but that felt so real. Like here are these embryos that, that is like life and I can see them. I mean, not with my own eyes, but it's like, that loss was so hard that I had said, I, I'll, I can't mm-hmm. ever do it again. I won't be able to do it again. And so here God was asking mm-hmm. me to do it again. And so we did. And on the very first time that we did it, we got pregnant with our firstborn. Wow. I'm trying to actually hold it together. I don't know. God's just speaking to me through your story. And I'm like about to just start like crying because I, we're doing a focus group right now for the Bible study that I've written. That's going to come out hopefully in November. We'll see. And there are different stories in there of examples of different kinds of healing. And it they're called the gray zone because healing isn't black or white. It's very often gray. And one of them that's in there is Rick Renner's example. And I had never heard of this until I read this. And he gives biblical justification for it, actually, in the original languages for progressive healing. That he prayed over a boy who was, I mean, just like beaten up from a gang and like non-responsive and nothing happened. And he was just coming off all these revivals and was like so upset. Like, why did nothing happen? And then his parents came years later and found him and said, actually, since the moment you prayed, it was this very slow, gradual progression. And he progressively was healed all the way back to complete full functioning. And so I'm just like picturing you and your husband, like in faith, you know, just praying, but it it seems like your body was miraculously progressively healed. Mm -hmm. Do you agree? Yes. Yeah. I believe that God healed me. I, you know, I don't know why we didn't get pregnant just, you know, naturally, supernaturally at that point, Mm -hmm. but, but we didn't. And I think that's because this was the, the way that it was supposed to be. Yeah, and maybe to encourage people listening right now that it's not always <laughs> the way that you think. What I mean, you think. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's a lot with my story too. Like, I think God uses it in lots of ways, but maybe one of them is today. So that's really cool. Well, and I just think at the end of the day, like God is the one who creates and sustains life. And so mm-hmm. however it happens, he still is the author and the creator and the one that sustained that life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so tell me about, you were going through this journey and you said you started looking in scripture at a lot of these women who were barren and the promises. So let's hear what some of them are. I know that you have written a book about this, so feel free to share about that. But I also just want to know, because I love the women in the Bible, (laughs) who 
was the favorite one, if you can pick a favorite of the nine you wrote about in your book, right? Nine? Yes, nine. Okay. Can you pick a favorite one or a favorite example scripture and share some of those things that God showed you through it with us? Yeah. So I I would probably say that Sarah is my favorite. So I did look at nine women. And when I started looking, I didn't even know there were nine women who were barren. I Mm -hmm. feel like we hear Sarah, we hear Hannah. Right. Here, Elizabeth. So who are the other ones? Can you do them off the top of your head? Yeah, I should be able to. So Sarah and Rebecca, I talk about God's faithfulness. Mm -hmm. And then Leah and Rachel, I talk about God's goodness. And then let's see who comes next. Hannah and Samson's mom. I talk about God's way, Hmm. doing things God's way. And then the Shunammite woman and... Ruth, I talk about God's timing. And then Elizabeth, I talk about God's destiny. Awesome. I love hearing that in a specific theme, right? Like if you haven't studied the specific theme in the Bible, you're just enlightening this for us. So, okay, go back. Sarah is your favorite. Why is she your favorite? Sarah was my favorite in part because one of the words that I felt like the Lord gave me And I I had this on my computer screen for eight years, so almost the whole time, Mm. where it says in Genesis, I think it's 20, 21, maybe, or chapter 20, I can't remember, but it says, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had said. And I just felt like the Lord was going to do to me as he had said, like he had said Mm. that we were going to be able to have children and he was going to do it. But I like Sarah because she is impatient and she <laughs> is imperfect. And I think that I could really yeah. identify with that because I spent a lot of my early years feeling very frustrated and very impatient and, you know, trying to manipulate my way into making this happen. Oh, me and too. I think there's a lot of that in Sarah. Not in fertility, but, um, but in my life yeah. <laughs> in general. And so, yeah, I just could, I always felt like I related to Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. Me, me too. <laughs> okay. So speaking about scripture and all of this, I just wanted to nerd out with you a little bit because when I emailed you this, you said, actually, yes, let's talk about that. So one of my friends went through a class recently I don't know, they talked about Hebrew and she was telling me that the scripture, when it talks about the fall and the curse that is often used um, for women is that you will have pain in childbearing was the curse of Adam and Eve sinning. And then the ground is cursed for Adam. And so we're just like, ah, man, I'm going to talk to Eve when I get to heaven. Poor Eve. Like every woman's like gives birth or like Eve. But my friend was saying that that's not actually the translation, that the translation is actually could be better translated in English to you will have grief in child bearing, which like conceiving all of that would be in that, which if we're going to go into my life. And I have that whole episode I can link to if people want to hear it of terrible sound quality, but two of my best friends where we talk about all things women and how we don't talk about those issues much, but they are a huge part of health um, that we should talk about. But Mm -hmm. I'm just talking about even the issues I've had with my cycle, which most women have 
you know, mood issues. There are lots of mood disorders now that I've experienced stuff with postpartum issues. Like I would say all of that then would fall under the curse of the fall if, if that is the real actual translation. So what is your take on that? Have you looked at that? And, and what does that mean? How do you, how do you interpret all that? Yes. So I was very excited and I'm happy to note out. I was very excited when I started looking at this and I, I wish that I would have known this when we were going through infertility, mm. because this was not something that I knew about until after. And I had never heard anyone teach on this and I, I don't know why, but the, the verse is usually translated I will multiply your pain in childbearing and in pain, you shall bring forth children. And so it sounds Mm. like pain when you're pregnant and then pain when you deliver. And so I think we've always just assumed that it's those two, but it's two different words in the Hebrew for pain. And Mm. you're right. The the first one is more of a grief, like a sorrow. Okay. And the other one is more of a physical pain. So there's both. Okay. And then the word for childbearing, so pain. So it's usually pain and childbearing, pain and in pain you shall bring forth children. So that word for childbearing and the word for bring forth children are also two different words. Okay. And the first one, the childbearing, is the word that we use. So anywhere else that it's in the Bible, I mean, anywhere else, uh-huh. it's used for conception. Like it's wow. not used for being pregnant. It's for becoming pregnant. Yes. So it's like this grief in trying to conceive, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. And then this pain and bringing forth children. And, and even that, like the bringing forth children, it is what we think of as delivery, but it's also just like the challenge of bringing forth children, you mm-hmm. know, the challenge of having kids. <laughs> like, like raising them. Yeah. I mean, I think the yeah. the physical pain is specific to delivery. Right. But I just think it's a much broader sense of what the curse was when you think about it being more than just specific to pregnancy and delivery. You know what I mean? Like it's just so much bigger than that. No, it's mind blowing. And then you feel like it's so inclusive. I don't know. It's just infertility is all over the Bible as you've written a book about now, (laughs) but yeah, it just gave me chills when you said that because I'm just thinking about all my friends who go through journeys like this. And then also, though, about how, like, if this is the curse and this is the fall, like, Jesus came and then also we're getting a new heaven and a new earth. So if that's the curse, like, this is being undone, like, will be undone for good when Jesus comes back and establishes his kingdom on earth. And so I'm just sitting here. And I feel like talking to you is an example of that little glimpse of heaven. Like he, he reversed the fall in your story. And that's like a glimpse of what he wants to do in all of our lives. Mm -hmm. He wants to reverse the fall and give us healing and say, you know what, Satan, like this did happen, but like, I still love my kids and I'm going to bring my goodness into the world. So I'm, maybe I'm just emotional today. Speaking of (laughs) hormones, who knows, but maybe not. I just think your story is a beautiful picture of God's kindness. Yes. Oh, yes. That is the word that I would use too, that he was gracious. Yeah. Where do you see God's kindness through all of this? It can be what I just said or something different, but that's my word for the year. So I love asking people right now, where do you see God's kindness? Oh, I mean, I see it all over my story. I see his kindness even in 
the time that it took, you know, I don't, Mm. I don't think that I would have the kind of relationship that I have with the Lord if I had not walked through that season of suffering. Mm. That's not to say that everybody's season needs to be long. I I think I'm a slow learner and I (laughs) was a little stubborn. And so maybe God just needed more time to get me to this place where I would surrender and and just let go of the control that he is the one who's in control. And so I just see his kindness, even in the, the amount of time that we, we spent waiting, um, obviously his kindness in answering our prayers and fulfilling his promise to us. I think what I really glimpsed was his goodness. Like Mm -hmm. I finally tasted the Lord's goodness and his love. And I think before I had always associated God's love with what he was doing. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if he was not doing something that I wanted him to do, it felt very unloving. And my response was to withhold love. Like if you're not Mm going to do this for me, then I'm not going to fully give you my heart and love either. And yeah, it's total manipulation because it, it makes love conditional. And I think in this season, the Lord taught me that his love is unconditional. And I think now I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that Mm -hmm. it wasn't on me to do something so that he would love me and that he didn't just, you know, do this because he loves me. Like even when he's not doing what I want him to do, he still loves me and he's still very loving. And it just changed how I relate to him in a way that, that maybe I wouldn't have experienced if we hadn't gone through that season. Mm -hmm. Amen to that girl. You're like preaching. (laughs) But I mean, what you're saying is that you felt God's kindness before you got pregnant, right? I just want to like emphasize that point. It wasn't that you now have three kids. You felt that before then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just, he's so good. Laura, isn't he? He's so good. He is. Okay. How do you see God in general, because I feel like you have walked a lot of healing and, and let's talk about this. You want to talk about this was physically going on in your body, but you have, I am sure a ton of emotional healing and trauma that goes right along with everything that's happening. So just in general, I like to ask people, how did you see, or how do you see God as your healer in all of this? Yeah, I, I love that perspective because God is a healer. And he heals people and he has healed me. But there are things that I experience that don't always feel healed. Mm -hmm. I actually have a chronic, I have a couple of chronic conditions. Mm -hmm. I I have a bleeding disorder. Like I have things that, you know, I've asked the Lord to heal and he hasn't, but he's still a healer. He, Mm -hmm. it's still who he is. And yeah. I mean, even just my expectations of what I thought labor was going to be like with my firstborn, Mm -hmm. because I was standing on the truth of God's word that I'm redeemed from the curse. And so I don't have to experience pain and child childbearing, you know, (laughs) that I am redeemed from the curse of the law. And yet I did experience pain. And so I think there's... Yeah, me too. (laughs) We're all the time, I think, confronted with real circumstances where it doesn't feel like God has healed something or is doing something, but he, he is still a healer. It's his character and it's his nature. And it's, 
it's who he is. And so, I mean, I see it all over my life. He's healed me supernaturally. He's healed me through medicine and there's healing that I haven't experienced yet, but it, it makes him no less a healer. Yeah. Amen. Uh, So good, Laura. You made me think something random. Just let's go flip flop between super emotional tear jerking and nerding out again, but Going back, because you've written a book on nine women, did God heal all nine women who were barren that you wrote about? Yes, he did. Okay. Do you know if there's a spot in the Bible where he didn't heal a woman of infertility? The only one that I know of, and this isn't in my book, but Michael, David's wife, Michael, was barren. Mm -hmm. I'd have to go back and like refresh my memory, but she was cursed. I don't remember what she did, but mm-hmm. she sinned or she did something and she was like cursed with barrenness and she never had children. Yeah. But the the women that I look at, you know, God, for every single one of them, he healed them. And I think what I love about their stories and a, a big thing that I try to to emphasize is that there's not a formula. So God didn't mm-hmm. do it the same way. He didn't do it for the same reason. I mean, some of the, like Rachel you know, Rachel's not even a very nice person. Like Mm. we don't see any evidence of her having like this deep heart of faith, right? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. like Rachel is not a Hannah, you know, Hannah is like this beautiful Mm -hmm. picture of faith and pouring out your heart to God. And, and Rachel is like, give me children or I'll die, you know? And yet God, God gave her children. God allowed Mm -hmm. her to become pregnant. And so it's, it's his goodness. It's not, always because of what we did. It's not because of something we did or didn't do. And I think there's just so much pressure placed on women that if you do all these things, especially with infertility, it's like, you know, balance your hormones and eat this diet and do these things. And that's what the whole secular world, if you look at any book on infertility, it's, these are the, the 10 things you can do and you'll get pregnant. And you know, all of that just ignores that God is the author and the creator. I mean, he's the one who creates life. So, yeah. yeah. But one of the things I do try to emphasize is that I, I can't say what God will do in someone's life, Right. you know? So this is what he did in their life. This is what he did in my life. Do I believe that God's a healer? I mean, I, I talk about all of that, but ultimately I think I invite women to hear God hear a fresh word from God for, for mm-hmm. their family and, and then to stand on that word and believe whatever God tells them. And sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we're wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. we are perfectly infallible, yep. perfectly imperfect, if I can say it like that. And so I think above all, it's just surrendering control, whatever you think that it's going to look like. It's just mm-hmm. trusting that you're going to work this out if this is the way it's going to work out. If not, tell us how to do it, you know? Yeah. Well, when you're talking about that one passage I thought of, I think it's in the Psalms. I'm not even sure. I should have looked it up while you're talking, but I didn't. Is the time where whoever's writing is saying, blessed is the woman, the barren woman for her children are more than the woman who has children. Total paraphrase. Mm -hmm. But... Like there is that word in scripture as well. So I feel like God isn't just saying, I'm going to heal you. And that's my only avenue or that's my only formula. Like there's, there is compassion for the barren woman. It seems like who, who end up not having kids ever. Mm-hmm. I really believe one of, one of my very favorite verses 
is it's Psalm 113, but it says that the Lord makes the barren woman the joyful mother of children. Mm. And so I believe, and I don't know if I say this so strongly in the book, but I believe that any woman who desires to have children can and will have children. But I think we have to have open hands about what that's going to look like. Like if you have children naturally, if you adopt, if you have spiritual, you know, there's a lot of spiritual mothers out there and you're still Mm -hmm. the joyful mother of children. I I think that's a word from God that he makes the barren woman a joyful mother of children. And so I think he will make us joyful mothers. We have to be open hands about what that's going to look like or what that, how that's going to be defined. Yeah. Well, I love ending it on that note because I think that's an encouragement to wherever you are in this journey. And also though, you make me think about sometimes it's not even infertility. Literally it can be someone single and they want to be married and they want to be a mom and they don't have a spouse. Like, how are you supposed to have kids? And you're like, Hey, my eggs are drying up. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I'm ever going to have physical kids, but she can still be a joyful mother. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah. I love that so much. I know single women who have adopted as well. And, mm-hmm. and they, I mean, some that I know they're in their fifties now, they probably won't marry, won't yeah. have natural children, but they're mothers, you mm-hmm. know, they still get the gift of motherhood. Yeah. And we have, mothers in our church who we just, I love that we're starting, we refer to some people like you're a mother of this house, you know, like Mm -hmm. not talking about physically their children, but just saying like, you're a mother Mm -hmm. of this house of God and speaking that over people in our lives. I, yeah, I'm trying to, should I share this? I'm trying to pray as I speak, but I think it's okay that we had a really cool women's event this year at our church. And it was about a lot of motherhood, like being a spiritual mother. And I got a pack of mother's day cards and I sent them to, to some women in my life who I just had felt like in different seasons of my life had been spiritual mothers to me. And like, no one can take the place of my physical mom, but just for anyone listening right now, if you're feeling led, I don't know. I think that's a good idea where sometimes people don't know that they've been that to you. So there you go. If you feel like encouraging yeah. someone and it's enough to be a card, like maybe it's just a text, like, Hey, I feel like you've been a spiritual mother to me at some point in this, in a season in my life. And thank you. So anyway, just thought I'd throw that out there. Well, it makes, it makes me think of, there's a woman in our church. She's, she's probably in her, her early seventies now, mm-hmm. maybe late sixties. She, she never had natural children of her own. And we talk all the time about how she is a mother to so many women in our mm-hmm. church. And She's a grandmother to so many women in our church, you know, that, that she is the spiritual mother for a lot Mm -hmm. of people. Yeah. So many women like that. And, um, I'm so encouraged, Laura, what have we not covered that you would like to, or that anything that God is putting on your heart before we close? I think we've said pretty much anything. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Will you tell people, is there any specific way that we can buy your book or just I'll link it and that's the best way for them to get it? It's available wherever books are sold. That's how they say it. There's a print version and an ebook version. And so, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, it, it will be in some physical bookstores, but I suspect that will mostly be out here in West Texas and maybe not all over the U.S., you know, so mostly buy it online for sure well we're excited for you you. congratulations thank you 
and everyone i'm i'm stoked for it to come out and so i'll link all of that for people and thank you so much for doing this laura thanks for your story and thanks for being a faithful steward of it that you know you would have had this story and we wouldn't have known about it had you not shared it so thank you for sharing thank you for having me this was fun I literally just got chills thinking about the things that God might have spoken to you while listening to this episode. So maybe take a second to stop and process. Maybe that looks like sitting there with the Lord and asking him what he wants to say to you. Maybe it looks like journaling or painting or going on a walk, but process with God what he has been speaking to you in the past 30 minutes. And then please check out the show notes and order Laura's book. It comes out again today. So please check that out. Her book, Not Forgotten on Amazon, wherever books can be found. And we will see you here again next week.